You're listening to Comedy Central. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is producer and activist Monica Lewinsky. She's here to talk about her brand new documentary that unpacks our culture of public shaming. I can see the physical toll, my weight fluctuating, probably like 105 pounds in that picture. The next few months was me going to counseling, me trying to figure out how to walk on American University's campus while constantly being triggered every single day that I'm there. Monica Lewinsky. Welcome to The Daily Show. Thank you, Trevor. Nice to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here. Before we get into the interview, I, I did one of this. Does everybody call you Monica Lewinsky always? Like, it's like, it... <laughs> no. Um, well, I, I guess in a professional setting in an interview, maybe, people either do that or I've also felt people very familiarly will call me Monica. Oh, okay, got it. So, Cause, that, cause I, they, that, I can, that I'm so, in that sense of being very familiar to it, people for a it. long time. Right. But I also get, I think, the familiar thing, uh, people stop me and ask me for directions a lot. So I think it's that Wait, thing. like in the street? Yeah, just ran. And I, I think it happens to me so often that it must be because there's something in their brain that is, oh, this person is familiar to me. <laughs> and they translate that as, they must be nice. Um, and so, but... Are you good at giving directions? I think I'm good at giving I would hope you've gotten good, because if, if people always <laughs> exactly. ask me for directions, I would just get really good, or I would get really good at seeming like I'm good at giving directions, yeah. just so that people leave me with a sense of confidence, and then if they get lost, that's, that's <laughs> exactly. not my problem. Sort of that cruise director yes. vibe, Yes, right? that's exactly what it is. Exactly. Um, let's talk about the reason you're on the show today. Um, October is Bullying Prevention Month, Yes. right? And one of the biggest places that bullying has moved to is online. You know, uh, just yesterday on the show, I was talking to Tristan Harris, who I think you know. Yes. And, and he was here talking about, like, just what social media giants have been doing to inflame our ability to bully each other, to, mm -hmm. to hate each other, to become polarized. You, you're looking at the subject from a completely different perspective, and yet the two, the two overlap. Very so the much first, so. The first question I have for you is, online bullying or bullying as a whole, how do you even begin to tackle that? Is that even a tackleable thing? Well, I, I hope it is. I mean, I think that with any social problem, I think we can't give up on the idea that we can have social change um, and that people can change their behavior, whether it comes from understanding, whether it comes from empathy mm -hmm. um, for other people or, you know, changing the structure, let's just say social media, law, all sorts of things. So I, I, I think we can make a dent. Um, and as you were saying, Tristan, who's in our film. Right. Yeah, who's actually in the film. But I think where there is a lot of overlap is that you're seeing, in, and with um, Francis, Francis Haugen, who, um, the whistleblower, right, yeah. right, from Facebook, I think that she's talking about what's happening online already. But you can see the consequences of that, the real human consequences in our film. So that's where there really is this overlap, too, of, of what we're talking about with the social media companies and the landscape and, and the human consequences. You, you've been a part of telling the story, uh, 15 Minutes of Shame, a new documentary film that's going to be premiering on HBO Max tomorrow. And it delves into a subject that you yourself you know, you, you refer, refer to yourself as patient zero. Mm -hmm. You know, you say, I am the patient zero of this whole thing. And, and really you were because your story blew up right when the internet was really becoming a thing. Information was flying across the globe. So my first question to you is, as a, as a human in this, 
why would you want to go back into that? Why, why would you want to delve back into a story that I can only assume was one of the worst periods of your life? I think had my life um, unfolded differently and had there been a different path that allowed me to get back on a more normal developmental path or to get a job and um, move forward in life, I'm not 100% sure I'd, I'd be wow, an anti-bullying advocate at the, at the moment. But really what happened for me was after graduate school, I realized that I couldn't run away from what happened. Mm -hmm. I had to integrate it and I had to do a lot of work around that. And in the process of that, in that time span, um, it just became clear that, that what happened to me, and I made a mistake, but what happened to me was now happening to many other people, especially young people. Right. I don't want to kick into my TED Talk, so <laughs> which happens sometimes when I talk about this area. But um, so I think that, that it is, um, I think for me, it, it, it's not easy. This isn't easy for me to do, wow. but it's important. Okay. I think it's important work. And um, when I hear from people that it's been meaningful, whether it's a teacher mm -hmm, who's mm -hmm. helped a student or something else, um, and that's, I think that's me and everybody who's working in this space, uh, it, it of course is worthwhile. Well, well, you know what's really interesting about this subject for me is um, the, the, the concept of being shamed online is, is one that I feel is constantly going to evolve in that what I love about this film that, that you've helped create is you take us through the story and the journey of shaming. Mm -hmm. You know, you take us to a time before internet, before newspapers even. It's like, here we are, we're going to tar and feather people. We're going to stone people in a public square. There's always this idea of shaming the person with that punishment. Um, but, 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 you know, as the internet has grown, the thing I've often said to people is, there was a world where it would be celebrities or people who are in some status position who will be shamed. Mm -hmm. But because of social media, it is only in inevitable that everybody will achieve some level of celebrity that will then enable them to be shamed on the same level. And I feel like that's what you've started talking about in these stories is it's gone from being presidents and actors to now just being a high school girl, to now just being a man who works in a factory, to now just being somebody who took a picture with their family and the picture was taken the wrong way. That seems like a, a change in how society is looking at who to bully and who to shame. Absolutely, you're 100% right. I think that um, one of the factors, and, and we do take people through this in the film, is around the idea of how shame had been used since the beginning of time as a social tool. Mm -hmm. And when the printing press was uh, invented, mm -hmm. it all of a sudden leapfrogged into being something that could now be commoditized. Right. And then once the tabloid culture bled into every area of our culture, you know, leading up to Princess Diana's death, right. which, you know, was a function of paparazzi live in that world, right. the tabloid world, right? That's where their income comes from. And so there was that moment, and that was only five months before 1998. So we, we didn't make a cultural shift. And the internet being there when 98 happened, um, it then it then grew from there. But I think what we're seeing now, too, is that this is very much about power, right? It's about, like, are there people in power who should face consequences? Right. Absolutely. But are there people who are not in positions of power who are facing the same consequence and, and it's ruining their lives in a way that is very different? Yes to that, too. You know, and I'm not sure I think, it, you know, so it's not only people in power, but it's also the power, too, that we have as as citizens, as right. people, right? To turn With into the a power mob, of the really. Internet. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think um, 
you know, I don't know how you feel about cancel culture and kind of the term cancel culture, but I think it's, for me, it's just become a little too broad. Yeah, I, I, I think when I look at it is I, I go, um, I think everyone says cancel culture and it, it, it seems like it embodies everything. Right. And I go, well, sometimes it's consequences. Sometimes it's criticism. And I think it has become a broad term that doesn't enable us, enable us to have better conversations about which aspects of it I agree, 100%. we, we, we want to monitor. That's what I, I loved in the film. Yeah. You specifically don't just go, Guys, let's not um, use the internet and let's not poke, <laughs> right. you no. know, let's not poke at people. You, you, you talk about all the upsides. I think there really is a kind of a beauty and a beast to the internet. Yeah. And we see it with, you know, look at the social change that has happened. We call it shaming for change, but right. around hashtags with Me Too or Black mm -hmm. Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. You know, that that is, um, that kind of power that can come from the social tool is, um, shame is a social tool, is invaluable and that's giving a power to people who haven't had a voice for a long time right. to right. hold others accountable but then you do have instances you know we have all shades of gray in the film and including the clip that you showed right. is somebody who never made a mistake in fact the opposite she did everything that you were supposed to do and then some and face this just horrific horrific white supremacist um, mob online right. You know, so. But but have you have you glimpsed even an idea of what we could do about this? Because it feels like, as 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 the, as the documentary shows, it feels like this is an unfortunate byproduct of being a human being. You know, it's it's always <laughs> there are existed. lots of those, right? Yeah, <laughs> and 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 the internet has amplified that. Right. And so and so when when you look at these things, is there a, is there even like a glimmer of hope where you go like, oh, this is something that we could do? I I. I mean, I don't know, maybe call me Pollyanna. I, I do believe there's a glimmer of hope. I have a belief in the good of people, that people can be good. Obviously, mm -hmm. they're, you know, a f ton of shitheads. Am I allowed to swear? Oh, yeah, you okay. can say that. They're we'll a f ton it. of shitheads, yeah. but, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, in the world. But I think that, I think where we're going and where we're, where we're moving to and what, what, the, um, what is possible is... That we, and we try to do this in the doc. You know, the doc is supposed to be a, a conversation starter around these topics. Right. That there is, you know, there are the social media companies who, um, you know, if you think about an architect and an engineer, right, their job is to make sure no matter what, yes. how, no matter how beautiful the building is or functional, if people are not safe in that building, it's, it's useless. And right. so they have to work better and harder and faster at making sure people are safe. But there's also the human behavior component of it. There's the chemical, the dopamine that, you know, yes. and, and you think about, um, so I think those are two places where we need to see change. I think we need to see a shifting in section 230 about mm -hmm. what the social mm -hmm. media companies are, you know, to be classified as a, um, a startup, right. you know, when you're owned by some of the wealthiest men in the world. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that that's, we, we need to find a change. You know, one thing the documentary made me realize, and I know that I've been guilty of this as well. I've been on both sides of it. I've been publicly shamed, mm -hmm. like, you know, I've had my canceling moments and all of that. But I know that I've also been part of mobs. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is when you're in the mob, though, there's a disconnect between you and the human. And so you don't even realize the, the, the size of the, the pebble that you're, yeah. you're throwing because it gets combined with everyone else. So, you know, I, I remember back in the day, it's like, oh, Tiger Woods. And then I was like, mm -hmm. oh, I've got a joke about Tiger Woods. I'll tweet this because it's funny. It's just me. It's by myself. And then it, it gets amplified, as you say. Exactly. And you don't realize that you have become part of a thing where if you stepped back, 
if you saw somebody's life and if you saw the mob you were part of, you may be able to go, whoa, 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 I wasn't trying to do that to somebody. I thought it was harmless. I thought it was meaningless, but it went to one human being. And so is that, is that like, as somebody who's experienced it, is that why it was important for you to show the people behind the stories to understand the story holistically? Absolutely. I think not only, I think that, the, that really what felt important was for people to come to understand what happens in these shamings and what does it feel like to be on the receiving end of that tidal wave of negativity. And it's not even, it's, it's exacerbated from being just shamed, but also can be violent. Right. You know, so I mean, and, and that violence doesn't just live particularly for women. Um, it doesn't always just live online. So um, I, I think too that there was, you know, we don't, um, we don't get to know these people of who they were the moment before, mm. whatever it is happened, mm. happened, right? And, um, and so I think in, in the same way, and I understand that, I was, I didn't have much of a history to, you know, what happened to me in 98. Right, my, right. This was my first job out of college. Right. So I, there, you know, wasn't much there. But that sense of, and that, that is one of the really emotionally devastating experiences around having a shaming like that, is that feeling, the irony of being so seen and not being seen at all for Ooh. who you truly are. Yeah, I, you know? I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And so I yeah. think that there's, and, and we haven't. You spend all your time, time trying to claw back the you that people don't see. You, exactly. You, 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 because they've defined you now. Everyone right. goes, this is who you are. And you're like, no, 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 I, I grew up like this and I have parents and I have family and I have friends and I make good decisions and I, you know what I mean? Yes, and, and in that way, your narrative runs away from you. It's yeah. your identity is stolen. And I think you're so right about the mob mentality. You know, one of the things, I don't know, maybe it's written somewhere, but I, I'm sort of fascinated by this idea of, you know, did people in stoning times, did people pick up more than one stone? Or was it they threw one stone oh, and they had the moment of seeing the person's reaction, you know, an energetic feeling of, of someone, you know, what it felt like to be hit right. by that stone? Right. I don't know. You know, but today with, you know, they call it the um, online disinhibition effect. So this sense of um, what happens online is that because you're, you're dealing with a screen and not yes. another person, yes. you take on a different identity that a lot of these behaviors and the ways that we see empathy and feel empathy are just, are, you're, you're unable to see that. You're unable to feel it online. In many and ways, you know, what, you, know what subjectified. you know what it feels like to me sometimes is um, I play video games. When I play video games, there are things that I would do in a video game I'd never do in real life. But it's in the video game and it happens to the other video game characters. So if I'm playing Grand Theft Auto, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna run someone over and I think it's funny. What's happened with social media is that has also become a video game of people's emotions, but there is someone on the other side. Yeah, and, you, and I think sometimes the problem with those things is you become anesthetized to that yeah. whole, you know, that idea of that there is a person. Right. And, you, and, and it becomes, um, like if you think about, uh, you might be too young, but Second Life that was sort of... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. no, no, no. Okay. I'm, I'm not that young, <laughs> but thank you. Um, I, you know, Second Life is sort of this fascinating, very, to me, a very rich place of understanding human behavior right, online. Right, Of that first place where it was, oh, you know, in the same way Photoshop, like Photoshop gives you this ability to say, whoever I am right now, how I look is yes. not good enough. Right. This so is this, who I wish to be. Exactly. And so I think that the minute we start divorcing ourselves from that self-reality, mm -hmm. it not only affects us emotionally, but it also impacts how we treat and see mm. others as well. So, 
the the journey you've been on, and I, I know we we've got to wrap this up. It's uh, I mean, I'll, everyone should just watch you know the oh. the documentary. No, because I, I think it's we I all think, worked really hard on it. So yeah, thank you. no, but but you know you know what I think it is. I think if we're not careful as people, we stop seeing each other as people. And then we live in a world where, you know, we take on these avatars as humans. Mm -hmm. We go after the other humans. We don't realize it's happening. And then we're all walking around with traumas and PTSDs and anxieties. And, but, but that's not who we actually are. It's like a, it's like a, a, a fake polarization that, that then happens. And, and so be, before I let you go, I'd, I'd love to know, as somebody who experienced arguably the greatest level of public shaming that human beings have seen. I mean, across continents, your, 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 your name was, was, was uttered. I'd love to know how you figured out a way to go like, you know what, yeah, I am Monica Lewinsky. Yeah, everyone has made these shitty jokes about me. Yes, the whole country at some point was, was saying this, but you know what, I'm now gonna take control of my, I'm gonna reclaim my narrative. How did you do that? It was definitely not a straight line to that and it was not a linear process at all. So I think that it happened for me, um, it happened in stages because also my my ability to even see and understand what had happened to me mm -hmm. and the consequences of some of those things didn't become apparent for years, for a decade. It wasn't until I got out of graduate school, I had a master's in social psychology from London School of Economics, and I couldn't get hired. Wow. You know, and so then I started to realize, oh, th this is this is a lot more damage. To, wow. to me, to what had happened than I had realized at that point. And I didn't set out to reclaim my narrative. I set out to heal. And healing for me was, I mean, I would try anything. I did a lot of um, consciousness and energy work, but mm -hmm, I've also mm -hmm. had a lot of therapy. So I think it was this process. And as I changed, the world was also changing. But it, it mm. eventually became, it was around um, seeing what was now happening, this new landscape online yeah. to other people that made me realize, well, there may be some, some validity or some help. And like, if, if I'm the poster child for having been publicly shamed and my life may not be great right now, but I'm still here, that might help someone. And so that, that sort of began the process. And it was, um, it was actually the younger generations, you know, uh, I was, Graydon Carter gave me a chance to write a first person essay for Vanity Fair in mm -hmm, 2014. Mm -hmm. And what that meant was I wasn't gonna be defined through a journalist's eyes. Mm. I was going to define myself. I was gonna say what I wanted. And it was the younger generations who insisted that the older generations who had really been around at the right. time said, whoa, whoa, let's you know stop and, and have a rethink about this situation. Not to say I shouldn't have um, had some blame. I certainly try to take responsibility for those things. But the idea that I bore more responsibility and more um, the consequences were way worse for me oh, than they were for the most powerful man in the world and mm -hmm. some of the other people in the scandal all 20 years older than me is insane. Yeah. So I, I, you know, and I hope from all the projects I do with this documentary, with American Crime Story Impeachment, anything else, that it is that it just kind of chips away at what it is that happened to me so that can't happen to someone else. Hmm. I feel you there. I, uh, I appreciate you, I really do. Thank, thank you for taking you. the time. Thanks, Trevor. Um, thank you for making us ask a few questions about ourselves because I think, you know, the mistake we make sometimes in society is we like to make it seem like 
other people are always shitty mm -hmm. when I think we all have a little shittiness inside of us and we don't even realize what that shittiness is or how it contributes to just like, you know, becoming a giant rock that we're throwing at other people. So thank you for telling the story. Thank you for healing. And um, thank you for joining me on the show. Thank you. It's been wonderful having you. Yeah, thank you. 15 Minutes of Shame will be available to stream on HBO Max October 7th. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central. And stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.